Hi everybody, I hope you are doing well. It's again a real joy and privilege for us to have so many people listening when uh, we share from God's Word and we try and dissect it in such a way that we can apply it to our lives as followers of the way. And so our prayer is for you today as you join us in this meditation and short reflection that you too will be inspired to follow Jesus more wholeheartedly. So wherever you are, may you be blessed. Our theme for today is about change, changing our minds, changing our mindsets and our attitudes so that effectively we can change our behavior. And so that it is what we'll be looking at from Romans 12, a very, very famous and familiar passage, actually. If um, if you want to listen to a, a really good theologian, actually a, a British scholar called N.T. Wright, and he said about the book of Romans that if he had only one book to take along with him on a remote, isolated island, he would take the book of the Bible, obviously, as he said, quite obviously, and then he also said, well, if he had to choose a Bible book from the Bible, he would choose Romans. And if he could choose any chapter, he would choose chapter 8 of Romans. And so Romans 12 actually latches on to all the doctrine in chapter 8 about identity in Christ um, and about who we are as God's beloved children, and that nothing can separate us from His love. So if you remembered from a few weeks ago, we did actually talk about Romans 8, and now we are going to think about when we know these doctrines and these truths, how does it change our lives effectively? So uh, let's look then at Romans 12 verses 1 to 8. It's a fascinating, fascinating passage. Apparently, in my research, I've come across a theologian who did a 10-week series, not only on chapter 12, but on verses 1 and 2 of chapter 12. So you can imagine that there's a lot in here to take away. But today, we're going to just look at changing, transforming our minds and the effect that should have on us in becoming living sacrifices. So look out for those two things in our reading. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to taste and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many from one body need one another, and we belong to each other. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. 
If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. We, you remember we spoke about generosity last week. If it is leadership, let him cover diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. This is the word of God. I recently completed reading this book by Adam Grant, an organizational psychologist called Think Again. Incredible book. It's about human behavior and how we find change difficult as human beings and actually how to rethink that process. It's quite apt for the season we are in just now as a national church. One of the things he emphasizes we are guilty of is only listening to views that make us feel good instead of ideas that make us think hard. He goes on to use the following example to drive that point home. He says the following, and I quote, At some point you've probably heard that you drop a frog in a pot of scalding hot water, it will immediately leap out. But if you drop the frog in lukewarm water and gradually raise the temperature, the frog will die. It lacks the ability to rethink the situation and doesn't realize the threat until it's too late. When I investigated the origins of this popular story, I discovered a wrinkle. It isn't true. Tossed into a scalding pot, the frog will get burned badly and may or may not escape. The frog is actually better off in slow boiling water. It will leap out as soon as the water starts to get uncomfortably warm. And then he ends off. It's not the frog who fail to re-evaluate. It's us. Once we hear the story and accept it as true, we rarely bother. To question it. Quote, Let's be honest, how many of us have told this story like it's the truth? I know I have. When we read passages like Romans 12, we are forced to think again, afresh, to ask ourselves if we behave out of habit and whether we do this in line with what God wants for us in the here and now. In the same way, we assume the story of the frog to be true. There might be things in our own journey with Jesus that's simply not true, but that we've come accustomed to out of habit or comfort. Many Christians still believe they must be good people to enter the kingdom of heaven, for example. When Paul says to the Romans, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Transformed involves transformation at the core of one's being. If being conformed would leave us adrift like a leaf, being transformed leaves us with feet on the ground, anchored and steady. Paul is calling us not to be caught up in every fad or wafted by every breeze, but instead to let the Spirit transform us at our core so that we can have a faith strong enough to maintain course in spite of the winds of popular belief. And the transformation starts with renewing our minds. 
what does this renewing of the mind entail? When Paul speaks of the mind, he thinks not of the seat of human intellect, as we do, but of a mindset or perspective on things and people. Christians whose minds the Spirit transforms seek to think about people and things the way God thinks about them. And it's quite funny because often the world not only beats us at our own game, but they're way ahead of us. There's new movements about mindfulness or manifesting ideas. That's really not new. It's as old as the hills. Believers have done these things for centuries. Jesus is our prime example of rethinking. His entire ministry was founded on rethinking. You have heard it was said. How often did he say that in the Sermon on the Mount? You have heard it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist one who is evil. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Later in Matthew 5, it says, You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Jesus Constantly challenging minds, altering your thinking, reform, change, question. But we conform to the world by not asking questions. Let me give you a prime example. In the latest Barbie movie, she starts to realize that there's more to life. How? When she dips in the most basic of existential questions. What happens? When I die. We uh, went to watch the movie on Monday night. In Livingston. And that's truly when. A mind shift kicks in for her. When she starts to grapple and wrestle with. Maybe there's more to this comfortable easy life. This mundaneness. That I am part of. Where everything is just happy. And sunshine and roses. All the time. For Barbie death and the questions surrounding death kickstarts all other questions about the meaning of life and the purpose and direction she is heading into. And it starts with a simple question, a mind shift. Friends, when we ask questions, our preconceived ideas are challenged. No one is too old or too experienced for that. For Paul's audience were heavily influenced by the Greek philosophy. Plato and company believed our bodies were prisons to the souls. Therefore, they partied and prostituted as they liked. Paul tests the capacity then for change when he says, Not only your minds, friends, but your bodies too, as living sacrifices. Richard Raw famously said, and I've said this many times before quoting him, You don't think yourself into a new way of living. You live yourself into a new way of thinking. So the two are inextricably weaved into each other, mind and body. How is that even possible? There's a bit of a paradox here. For the Greek word for sacrifice actually means dead. So it says there you need to be a living dead. Why is this a radical statement? Well, we need to look at the world and audience Paul is addressing. 
you would know by now that the temple was a hub for all different kinds of sacrifices, each involving different animals offered for different reasons. The burnt offering was the most common and most general of sacrifices. Any kind of animal could be used as long as it was male and free of blemishes. In some rituals, the blood of the animal was splashed on the altar, pretty gruesome, and then the carcass of the animal was always burned on the altar. This is the way Paul understood Jesus' crucifixion as a perfect sacrifice, as the ultimate act of atonement for the sins of the whole world. The cross was a perfected version of an animal without blemish being laid on the altar in the temple. This renewed, rewired, reorientated their thinking. They could no longer pay for their own forgiveness or salvation. They could but receive it. They had no influence on the debt, for it was already written off. And for this reason, they were instructed to become living sacrifices. Now, the problem with a living sacrifice, someone said, is that it keeps wanting to crawl off the altar. How do we do that? Well, we said it earlier. We conform to worldly ways. Someone said, the opposite of love isn't hate. It's indifference to live with apathy. Who cares what happens to the church or to this place or to my body? No one will tell me how I should live my life. Instead, Paul says, let God remold your minds so that you may prove in practice what the will of God is for you. What leads to the goal of true maturity. And we know that the Spirit transforms Christians from those who seek only our own interests into people who the Spirit equips to also seek the well-being of the world around us. Quite simply, the Spirit graciously transforms us from individuals into members of the community. That's how we become living sacrifices. Part of what it means to think of ourselves with a sober judgment is to commit to using our talents to bless our neighbors with our presence and our unique gifts. We are not independent entities. We're only and deeply dependent on each other in the church. We have to change our thinking from individualism to the collective. That's why it speaks of the body and the different body parts and how they are interdependent upon one another. I need you, you who are listening here. I don't have your skills and your gifts. And when we bring these unique skills and gifts to the table, we are making living sacrifices of ourselves. So Paul calls for a new way of thinking that takes account of others. Using this long list of gifts that builds up the body of Christ. Based on the presentation of the living bodies as sacrifices. This is a good example. Bakers use different amounts and types of flour based on what they are producing. Whether it is cake flour for pastries self-raising flour for bread or all-purpose flour for cookies. Similarly, different amounts and types of faith may lead people to different roles. Kingdom living urges us to present our bodies as living sacrifices. As we as individuals follow along the way, the betterment of the whole community takes place. Maybe you've heard of the band Mumprad and Sons and they sing this well in a song, Awake My Soul. In these bodies we will live. In these bodies we will die. Where you invest your love, 
you invest your life. Friends, and here's the amazing thing. God made humans to be partners in transforming the world. We see that in Genesis 1 and 2. But first, God invites humanity into a transformative relationship. Religion is transactional. You give something to be atoned or forgiven. Faith is transformative. Transactional versus transformative. Are you willing to allow the Spirit to transform you, to be a living sacrifice. I heard a story of changed and transformed lives that gave me great encouragement. Someone in our congregation was selling their property. Instead of looking for the best possible deal, they searched their hearts and the hearts of those putting in offers. One person put in the minimum offer. That's all they had. But they displayed such Christian character in the conversations they had with the owner that it was undeniable that they were living for Christ and presenting their bodies as living sacrifices. A deep connection and bond was established between seller and buyer. And after confirmation through prayer, one of our members decided to change their minds not to be conformed to the capitalist ways of the world and accept an offer thousands of pounds less to be obedient to their call of being kingdom-minded, to be transformed and changed more into His likeness, because they had a sense by the Spirit that God wanted to bless someone through them. And indeed, that place has blessed a young couple out of their socks, and it's become a safe haven for dozens of others. Friends, wouldn't it be wonderful if we, followers of Jesus, had this reputation? We were renowned for our ability to think otherworldly, differently, unselfishly, because we allow the love of Christ to transform us. Why? Well, if we don't know our why, we will lose our way. Why? Because Jesus offered himself, not as a living sacrifice, but as a destroyed sacrifice. He took his hands off his life to be a dying sacrifice so you can be a living sacrifice. So let go of your life. You know God is infinitely good. Trust him to transform you. Jump out of the water like the frog into his loving embrace. Have the mind of Christ. What is he saying to you today? What needs changing up here in your mind so it can change your daily life, your coming and your going? Frog stands for fully rely on God. So maybe it's time to jump out of the water before it's too late. Amen. May you be blessed in the sweet to come.